When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're pregnant. You may or may not even know it yet, but for many women, it's the pregnancy symptoms that give it away. So what specific symptoms can you expect within the first half of your pregnancy? What triggers these symptoms, and are there ways to overcome them? Today, we're joined by one of our featured experts, Dr. Nick Kapitanakis. He's an OBGYN right here in San Diego. This is Preggy Pals, Episode 70. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Sunny Galt, and I am joined here by Stephanie. She is our Preggy Pals producer. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. So before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about our new virtual panelist program that we're so excited about. Okay, so basically, we would love for you to join our conversations from anywhere in the world. Um, If you like our Preggy Pals Facebook page and follow us on Twitter, um, we'll be posting some sneak preview questions before our recordings, and we'd love to have your answers so that we can read them on the show when we record. Yeah, and it's a great way to to ask our expert even your own questions. Absolutely. You know? So if you've got experience with something or, you know, you just kind of want to share your own two cents, it's a great way to do it on Facebook and Twitter. We actually have a page on our website, right, that talks about our virtual panels we program. We do. If you go to preggypals.com uh, under the community tab, you can find Be a Virtual Panelist, and it'll give you all the information you need. All right. Thanks, Stephanie. Well, have you joined our Preggy Pals Club? Our members get extra bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. And you'll also get a free subscription to Pregnancy Magazine. Visit our website, preggypals.com, for more information. Thanks to everyone who is listening to this episode through our awesome Preggy Pals apps. They are available in the Apple and Android marketplace. We're actually on Google Play and Windows phones, too. It's like we've got all these apps now. It's pretty cool. We are taking over the world. (laughs) It's pretty fun. So I think, personally, this is the best way to listen to our show. If you are a mom that is on the go, you know, you're going to your prenatal appointments or whatever. Sometimes it's hard to just listen in front of a computer. So the apps are a really good opportunity. They are absolutely free. So download our apps today. Okay, so let's meet some of the panelists that are here in the studio. You guys, you guys know me. I'm, I guess I'm a panelist. I'm kind of moderating this whole thing, but I consider myself a panelist too. Um, I, I'm the host of the show. I'm Sunny. Um, I am 35 years old. My due date technically is December 16th, although I am 
pregnant with twin girls and um, you know we never make it uh, to the due date when you're pregnant with twins so um, we actually just said we were going to have a c-section with this due to some complications with my first I have two boys at home I have a three-year-old and I have a 15-month-old and with my first we had some complications so my second was c-section and the twins are going to be c-section too we just scheduled the date for December 2nd which is a Monday so fingers crossed that I will actually make it that far Um, I actually had some pregnancy scares this week which really kind of threw me off but it's just you know kind of a sign that I need to take a little bit better care of myself to sleep more and all that's kind of hard to do when you have two little boys running around your house but I've got to make it happen. So um, that's a little bit about me. Destiny, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Destiny. I am 34. I'm a physical therapist and I actually specialize in uh, pelvic floor therapy. And you've been an expert on the show before to talk about pelvic floor Mm -hmm. stuff. Yes. Yep. So I'm uh, I'm pregnant and I'm due November 2nd uh, with a little girl. We didn't find out the first time with my son, but we decided that planning was a little bit more important this time around. So um, yeah, we're going to have a little girl. Uh, my son will be um, three in October, so he'll it'll be right around his birthday. Who knows? Uh, he was two weeks early, so I don't know if she'll be early too. We'll see. Um, and I'm planning my uh, second home birth with her as well, with a oh, uh, cool. midwife. Okay, mm-hmm. so you had a home birth the first time? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. everything went well. You didn't have to be transferred or anything. Yep. It was fabulous. That's awesome. We just mm-hmm. recently did an episode on home birth, so if you guys are interested in that, be sure to check it out. Welcome, Destiny. Jessica. My name is Jessica, and I'm 29. I'm a medical biller, and my due date is March 8th, and um, we don't know the baby's gender yet, but we are going to find out as soon as humanly possible. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I have one other child. She's eight. And we're hoping this time for a VBAC. Okay. Good for you. Last but not least. All right. I'm Bridget. I'm 28. But I think by the time you hear this, I will be 29. Um, (laughs) I am a grant writer and fundraiser for a nonprofit health clinic network. Um, I am due December 19th with a little boy. It's our first baby, so I'm really excited. And um, we are planning a natural childbirth with the midwife, but in a hospital um, birthing center type thing. Okay, good for you guys. Well, ladies, thanks so much for being part of our show today. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, before we get started with today's show, there is a pregnancy headline that I want to share with you ladies. We try to grab headlines that are making rounds around the internet, and this was one that definitely caught my eye. A lot of women are talking about this. This is a uh, a new book project that is coming out. It's called A Beautiful Body, and there is a photographer. Her name is Jade Beale. I'm just going to read a portion of this to you. She published a series of self-portraits in her semi-nude postpartum body online. Basically, people 
people saw some of these photos and thought it was so refreshing. I guess she posted some stuff to Facebook and they thought it was so refreshing that she didn't do a lot of touch up on these images. It was just her and her baby and it was very real. Um, And she's getting all this great feedback. And so women are basically contacting her saying, will you photograph me in that same manner? Um, And I want to get your guys' feedback on this because I think she's she's doing this and she's going to publish a book. I think it's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, I think in especially in our culture and our society, there's way too much emphasis to get back to everything pre-pregnancy, mm-hmm. like within the first 24 hours, you know, and, and it really sets up this impossible expectation for women to to try to be super mom and look the way they did before they ever got pregnant, mm-hmm. which is completely unrealistic. Like you're ever going to look the way exactly the way you did before you got pregnant. Yeah, it's part of becoming a, a mom, and and it, it's it's it sets us up for failure. Yeah, Bridget, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it's it's wonderful to see. Um, you don't see a lot of that, especially. I mean, I think out here on this coast too. Mm-hmm. There's so much emphasis on on the on having a perfect body at any stage in your life and yeah. it's it's wonderful to see women in a more natural way um because i mean i don't think you even get a lot of exposure to that no matter where you live and so it's refreshing to that's, see that's a really good point i don't know prior to having my own children i don't remember really even having an idea of what you know postpartum body look like so you know you hear again all these things and you see these supermodels walking away with you know near perfect bodies and we have this idea that that's what it should be but you know I, I don't know if I had any you know any real examples and I you know I think that's what this provides so all right ladies thanks so much for sharing your opinions we'll link to this on our website look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today we're discussing pregnancy symptoms, and this is the first episode in a two-part series. We are exploring what to expect during your first 20 weeks of pregnancy, and then next week we'll focus on the last 20 weeks. So Dr. Nick Kapitanakis is a featured expert on our shows. He's an OBGYN, and he's joining us via phone. Dr. Cap, welcome back to Preggy Pals. Thank you very much. Very excited to be here. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with talking about early pregnancy symptoms in general. When do they start? I know, you know, a lot of women, that's their first indication that they're even pregnant, right? Absolutely. You know, pregnancy for everybody can be different, and every diff- every pregnancy can also be different for every woman. Uh, some women start feeling things as soon as six to eight weeks after their last menstrual period. Some women don't have any symptoms, but unfortunately, there is a about a 50 to 70% chance that some women are going to have some nausea and vomiting, which would probably be the most common uh, pregnancy symptoms early on in your first trimester. Okay, and then what usually triggers these symptoms? I mean, is every symptom triggered by something different, or is there a way to kind of classify this in, in one big bunch? Yeah, it's a great question. We're not 100% sure. We definitely think that uh, a hormone called beta-HCG, which is produced early on in the pregnancy, causes the vast majority of those symptoms. Uh, progesterone is another hormone that also causes some of the GI symptoms, including, you know, constipation uh, that can occur. Uh, but most of it is uh, beta-HCG hormone. 
Okay. All right. So let's just dive into this list. And ladies here in the studio, as we're talking about these symptoms, I know we're all pregnant, with the exception of Stephanie, not yet. Again, <laughs> she already has a little little girl at home. But when we go through these symptoms, feel free to kind of chime in and tell us what your personal experience is with this. So Dr. Cap, the first one I want to talk about is high basal body temperature. And I'm assuming you, you may not know that your basal body temperature is high unless you've had, you know, some conception issues and, and you've been tracking this before. But, but tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, some women do have some increase in temperature in pregnancy, but like you said, most of the basal body temperature that we look at is is for patients that are trying to conceive. Uh, you know, when you're ovulating, your basal body temperature does go up a degree to two degrees, and that's when most women will then try to conceive around that time. And then once you get pregnant, you do have feelings of an increased temperature, but not necessarily that you're going to read on a thermometer. Some people complain of some hot flashes, things like that. But overall, I would say that's probably a, a less common symptom than, than, than the other ones that most women feel in the first trimester. Okay. So are you saying that the, the basal body temperature is not necessarily responsible for that like uncontrollable ability to regulate your temperature that I'm certainly feeling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to say. You do have an increase in blood flow. Um, there's a lot of changes going on hormonally. And so you have that sensation that you're running hot. But if you were to necessarily take your temperature, you wouldn't necessarily see an increase in, in, in your normal body temperature, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, of, a, of, a, of a hormonal flux and an increase in blood volume that makes women feel like they're running a little bit hot. But I remember when my, when my wife was pregnant during the winter, she was like a heater. We didn't even have to turn on the, the heater at night. I was just up, up the so there is a sensation that you're probably running a little bit hot. Especially in August. Oh, yeah, right? Depending on when you're due, for sure. <laughs> Okay, so let, let's move on to the next one. Uh, I'm sure most of us have experienced this one. Nausea, and, and combined with that, I'm just going to kind of call it morning sickness, although we all know that it doesn't just happen in the morning. So, um, Dr. Cap, what triggers this? You know, again, we think it's probably the beta HCG hormone that triggers that, that reflex. You know, for, for my patients, when I talk to them about their first trimester symptoms, I kind of tell them it's, it's almost like you feel hungover, uh, yeah, but you didn't have a good time the, the night before. You've kind of got that feeling of that queasiness uh, that, like you said, can go out through the whole day. Some women do have vomiting or they, they feel like they need to vomit, and, but they, they may not. Uh, and then other women, uh, you know, unfortunately have that vomiting aspect of it. Um, it, it. It's something that varies from pregnancy to pregnancy. And sometimes it can be almost debilitating for some people. Uh, but for most people, it's just kind of that underlying nausea, not feeling well all day kind of feeling. Okay. So, ladies, let's open this up here in the studio. What has been your experience with nausea and morning sickness? All day hangover, just like what he said. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have a, a huge amount of vomiting, per se, except for a few specific triggers. But I, every, all day long, I just felt like awful. And if my stu- if I hadn't eaten for about an hour and a half, then it would escalate and yeah. I would feel like on the verge of throwing up. So I had to eat literally every hour and a half to two hours, like lots of protein in order to keep that away. Otherwise, I just felt just completely hungover. Yeah, that was definitely the first symptom I noticed. Um, and I swear it started the day I got my positive pregnancy test. <laughs> it could, it may have, yeah. Or you, at least you were more aware of it. Well, right? exactly. Yeah. And it, it may have been somewhat psychosomatic. I don't know. But that was definitely the one that that 
was the most irritating for sure. And it, and yeah, morning sickness, whatever. It was all day. Um, I didn't get, I didn't have a lot of vomiting either, but I just, you know, just didn't feel well for about 14 weeks. <laughs> yeah. When did your guys, yeah, when did it taper off for the rest of you here? Right around 12. The second time, actually, my second pregnancy was a lot earlier. Um, well, okay. I don't, a lot earlier. It feels like a lot earlier when it's just a week. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it was right around uh, 10, 12 weeks. Okay. What about you, Jessica? I didn't get it this time. <gasps> you lucky <laughs> <Yay>! dog. <laughs> my first pregnancy, I, I definitely had morning sickness, all day sickness, wake up, feel horrible, go to bed, really? feel horrible. <laughs> but this time, magic. <laughs> so Nothing at all. Uh, maybe a couple of days. I think it was more related to my blood sugar, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Dr. Cap, what makes the difference between someone just kind of feeling nauseous and uh, and then actually throwing up? I mean, because in, in my personal pregnancies, I rarely got to the point that I was throwing up, but it was kind of that all day, I need to lay down, I need to eat, I need to do whatever. So is there something that triggers it more? Is it just the higher levels of these hormones? Or, or how do you explain that? Yeah, I wish I wish I could tell you, because then we could actually do something to prevent that, that vomiting reflex. You know, it's everybody is fairly sensitive or insensitive to, to the hormone. And some people, unfortunately, you know, they, they can't control it and, 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 and they end up vomiting. So there's nothing really that you could measure, per se, that's going to tell you, you know, who's going to get it and who's not going to get it, if that makes any sense. Sure. Uh, it's just everybody's sensitive in a different way. In some pregnancies, you, you don't have it you know, that, that feeling. And then in others, it's, it's overwhelming. So what is your recommendation when, when women come in with this type of nausea? And I know there's different levels and stuff like that, but what, what do you usually tell them to do first to kind of overcome this? Yeah. I, I talk to patients about the first trimester is kind of survivalist mode. You know, <laughs> you do whatever makes you the most comfortable, but you guys brought up some good points. Frequent meals, you need to eat, you need to be a constant grazer, and that means every one and a half to two hours you need to put something in. You have to, uh, you know, carry with you peanuts or some kind of protein or some cheese or some yogurt and and really, you know, eat every one and a half to two hours. Some people do better on high-protein diets. Other people come in and say, I can only eat bread, and I say, fine, just eat bread. I mean, you kind of just have to, uh, you know, survive. It's funny because the biggest thing, the thing that made the biggest difference for me was when my midwife told me to get 80 to 100 grams of protein a day, like massive amounts of protein. Mm. And once I started doing that and being really religious about it and how often I had it, it made a huge difference. Ah. Have you heard of, have you heard of that, Dr. Cap, um, increasing your protein in addition to carbs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people respond better with carbs. Some people respond better to protein. Protein takes a little bit longer to burn out. So probably stabilizes your blood sugar a little bit better. And for some people, that can definitely help uh, with those symptoms. Okay. What is it with the gag reflex sensitivity? Because is that a hormonal thing? Because I don't know if anyone else experienced. I could not even brush my tongue yes, at the first trimester without. And and then I I got a terrible cold the very first my, my with my son, yeah. and uh, between the post nasal drip and the gag <laughs> reflex, I was like throwing up in the shower every morning. I don't know. So what, what is what, that? Yeah. What is that, Doctor Cap? Yeah, that's another tough one. I mean, we think that probably the progesterone affects that. That, that sphincter kind of in, uh, that separates your esophagus and your stomach and, and maybe it doesn't close as much, contributing to some of the reflux that you get in, in second trimester or in, in, in the later half of your pregnancy. And that then irritates the esophagus, which then causes, you know, maybe a little bit more of that sensation of a gag reflex. But 
It, that's a tough one to kind of pinpoint exactly what I, you know, again, I remember my wife was brushing her teeth that, that, that she would gag too. So <laughs> it's probably a combination of some hormonal things that's causing that reflex to increase. Okay. All right. I know we could talk about that, that symptom forever, but we're going to move on in our list. Um, tender, swollen breasts. At what point does this happen? And, um, you know, I mean, what are your recommendations for women who can't even touch their breasts anymore because they hurt so much? Yeah, again, that's a tough one because what happens is the breast tissue actually gets engorged. And most women will tell you that their that their breast cup size does go up along with the the circumference around their back, their bra size actually goes up because the rib cage does expand. But early on in the first trimester, that breast tenderness is probably from the actual ducts in the breast that are getting swollen. And, and it's a tough symptom to, to manage. I mean, some people, if they take warm showers, it actually irritates that. because so you try not rubbing them or stimulating them. Some people put little nipple pads to kind of protect the nipple from rubbing in the inside of the bra, which can kind of help with irritation. Unfortunately, there's no magic to that one. That one that one usually comes on pretty quickly and also dissipates pretty quickly. It, it usually doesn't last the whole the whole first trimester, uh, and it's more of a managing the discomfort than actual you know treatment for it. That was actually my first symptom. Mm-hmm. That's how I knew. I was like, wait, something feels not quite right. Yeah. <laughs> but we also have um, one of our Preggy Pals virtual panelists, Chelsea, commented. Um, on this question from Facebook and she said that she felt the breast tenderness about a week before her missed period and she kept thinking that she felt different and pretty much knew she was pregnant and she said it lasted about three weeks. So do you think that's about right Dr. Cap? About three weeks? About you know I would say probably for me it was closer to maybe five weeks or so? Yeah I would probably say on average most people are probably around that two to four week mark uh, with that discomfort. Anyone else experience it? Go ahead. Yeah, I I think mine went on a lot longer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It felt like it was not constant, but off and on throughout my first trimester. Um, And I'm already kind of busty to begin with. And it felt like, I don't know, I think that may have been part of it. It was just, there's just so much weight there now. (laughs) And so I felt dragged down. I don't know. I definitely had to wear a sports bra to bed. Like I couldn't, I didn't yeah. want blankets touching me. I didn't oh, want, yeah. I didn't want the wind blowing on yeah. me. Nothing. <laughs> I did that a lot, actually. Now that I think about it, you know, this is my third pregnancy, but with my first, um, I did a lot of wearing. They have special bras that that yeah. aren't, you know, they don't have the wires and stuff like that. So they're a little bit more comfortable to wear at night. And I think I did that in the beginning, and and I haven't done it since. I wonder. Actually, this is a good question for Dr. Cap. Like Dr. Cap, after you've experienced breastfeeding and and in your boobs quite frankly have been through a lot more when it comes to kids do you think um is it possible for them to become less sensitive to some of this breast tenderness and stuff in pregnancy because i feel like mine have been through the ringer already and like you know i mean may get a twinge here and there but i'm not experiencing what i did with my first pregnancy yeah i mean it makes sense right that the body would with each pregnancy get more comfortable or acclimated to to that discomfort i mean it's the same with breastfeeding your first one is usually the toughest one and then you know for subsequent pregnancies usually gets a little bit easier i don't want to say that the nipples get a little bit more desensitized but probably do in some respect and and that probably includes the breast tissue and 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 those feelings that you get uh with the swelling probably do go down 
Okay, that's I figured. Makes sense. Okay, let's move on to the next one, mood swings. Now, I know we can use this as an excuse with our partners a lot, um, but, you know, I, I, I think it also only makes sense that the more weight you gain, the more aches and pains you experience in different parts of your body, um, the more prone you may be for your mood to change very quickly, especially if you don't feel like someone else is understanding your position. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, Dr. Cap, what do you have to say about mood swings? Yeah, that's like a three-hour conversation. (laughs) You know, mood swings are a concern because really, I mean, it comes down to women are very complex creatures. And when you put them in a situation where they're not feeling great, they're not able to work out, they're not feeling um, understood, they're having this nausea, the vomiting, the breast tenderness, and and nothing makes it feel better, you put that on a platter, and, and that's a tall order to... To tackle for anybody. So, you know, you got hormonal issues, you're constipated, you're bloating, you're, you, why am I showing at 12 weeks? What's going on? You know, there's so many different things that, that go into that, that it does affect people's mood. I mean, when you're not able to exercise and get that anxiety out and, and, and feel good about your body, then that does affect you. So it, it's really so multi-complex that you couldn't even begin to, you know, scratch the surface on it. But what it really comes down to is, you know, voicing your concerns with your partner. Hope, hopefully you have a partner who, who can, can, you know, empathize with you and, and do the best that, that, you know, he or she can to kind of make you feel as good as you can. Doing little things for yourself to try to make yourself feel better, whether that's getting a massage or, you know, trying to get a little bit of exercise or getting some sunshine, going for little walks, and just doing whatever can, can, can you know, bump up your mood uh, will will definitely help that. And uh, really, it's just one of those things that if you're aware that your mood is that labile, then also just being able to kind of check that and say, okay, now I feel like it's kind of getting out of control. I need to like step back and, and reevaluate how I'm feeling and, and remove myself from the situation for a couple of minutes and then come back into it with more focus. Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I think it does. I feel like I'm constantly reevaluating everything that's going mm. through my head. <laughs> yep. Like I have to, uh, like I have to qualify each statement I make, or if I'm going to bring something up to my husband, I have to say, "Okay, I know I'm pregnant, so maybe this isn't the best perspective." But <laughs> what do you think? Because uh, yeah, I find that it's uh, my my opinions they they vary in scope from one end to the other so much more than they. Yeah, I'm a pretty consistent person, um, but in, and not so consistent when I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah, so I have to constantly check myself and, and you can go to the extremes yeah very quickly and yeah. yeah and yeah easily easily <laughs> <laughs> and quickly yes. so I, I have to I have to check myself a lot I think it's less that I've been unreasonable or that I'm quicker to anger I'm just quicker to being sad about something oh, and, yeah, and totally. mm-hmm. the crying I mean I'm already a sensitive person but I I cry about pretty much everything yeah. <laughs> now yeah. and my husband's very understanding he knows to expect it I mean he's used to me not pregnant and being a little <laughs> bit like that anyway but but that's been the problem and and I but I snap back out of it fairly quickly and and so it's not been a big a big issue but it's it's been my like my gift the second trimester as soon as the <laughs> as soon as the nausea went away it was like suddenly I was crying about everything you know I'm I'm eight months postpartum and I still on the way here I heard a song <laughs> uh, in the 
the car that made me cry. So it doesn't go away. And now you may it not really, thinking about your yes, baby that's and true. things make that's you true. cry. That's true. But it's still, it's hormonal. Yeah. Lack yeah. of sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, the last one on our list before we take our quick break here is food aversions. It was funny. Stephanie came into the studio this morning and said that she had an aversion. What was your, your – it was it was a smell aversion, this, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, one – And you're not pregnant, but – One I won't <laughs> mention because it involves my mother-in-law. Uh, <laughs> the other one, uh, when I walked into the building, I swear it smelled like the dentist's office and it made me sick. <laughs> Maybe we're rubbing off on you here in the yeah, studio. Seriously. We're passing off our aversions on you. My husband, Pregnant by osmosis. My, yeah, exactly. My husband made dinner last night in garlic. Oh, oh. my God, just filled the house. And I really, I, sometimes I don't think he's as sensitive like as he needs to be to like understanding that something could just like totally switch in my brain and I could just go crazy um and and that was one of the things I'm like can't he smell that garlic I just wanted to run out of the house and you know just get away from the smell so I'm more than halfway through my pregnancy and I still have these smell and food aversions so ladies what what has been your experience I couldn't stand the smell of my own home coming to <laughs> and it's, get I, a cleaning I'm, lady does I'm a very <laughs> clean person <laughs> it was coming home from work when the house had been shut up all day windows oh. closed a warm day it, just like that stagnant air smell the, so the first thing I would do is I would run in the back door I would like take a big gulp of air before I went in <laughs> I would open all the windows run straight out the front door take oh, more go- and like turn the fans and I'd have to yeah. air it out before I could actually stay inside oh, the house and it didn't matter I, I mean I could take the trash out do all the dishes vacuum clean all that before <laughs> I left in the morning and it would still be the same thing when I got home really yes wow it was I, I mean there were a couple times where I came in the front door and I went right out the back door and puked oh jeez <laughs> okay. not fun anyone else smell or taste aversions at work people yeah. bring their lunches uh-huh. in uh-huh. I can't I can't Yuck. see it but I can smell it and I swear I swear there was one day there I thought there was a skunk in the office <laughs> it was just someone's lunch <laughs> Or perfume, something like that. Something that's really intense. I mean, it all sounds like you guys are averted to things you don't want to do anyway. <laughs> are you, you saying it's clean, an excuse? You don't want to vacuum. No, no, I did extra cleaning. Somehow I ended up mopping all the floors. <laughs> You're on to us, aren't you? <laughs> I'm on to you guys and your trickiness. You guys are smarter than what you what I first thought. Very sneaky. No, you know, people just become hypersensitive. The nose gets hypersensitive. The taste buds get hypersensitive sensitive. I mean, I remember when Angie found out she was pregnant with our first, we went to dinner at her wife's, uh, I mean, at her aunt's restaurant, and we had a glass of wine. She says, oh, I think that wine is corked, and we opened another bottle, and said, this one's corked, and I was like, oh, man, I think we got another baby coming. The best thing to do is, like you guys are doing, just try to avert it as much as possible and avoid it, and, uh, you know, go from there. Okay, good advice. Well, when we come back, we'll wrap up our list of common pregnancy symptoms during the first 20 weeks of pregnancy. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome 
Welcome back. Today we're breaking down the most common pregnancy symptoms you may notice within the first 20 weeks of pregnancy. Dr. Nick Kapitanakis in OBGYN, and he's also a featured expert for Preggy Pals as well as our sister shows. He is joining us via phone. Okay, so Dr. Cap, abdominal bloating. So obviously this is that intense, like, you know, bloating feeling we feel even even when our bellies aren't sticking out due to a pregnancy yet, we feel like uh, like like they are. So, so what's what's causing this? You know, we think partially uh, it's fluid retention. You know, it, well, it's two, it's twofold. We we do know that you do start retaining more fluid, and if it's your first pregnancy, you know, it's hard to say how much you're going to retain as you have more pregnancies. You do see the retain a little bit more, and you also show a little bit earlier. Uh, with subsequent pregnancies. It's also progesterone. Progesterone can slow down the intestines a little bit, causing some of the constipation and the GI bloating because the system just doesn't move as quickly as as uh, it did when you weren't pregnant. And so it's a combination of both those symptoms. Okay, makes sense. So, ladies, any bloating that you've noticed? It's harder to tell, I think, the bloating once you develop a pregnancy tummy, really. I mean, then then you start to see swelling. We'll talk about that in next week's episode. But in any bloating that you guys noticed really early in your pregnancies? Yes, right yes. away. <laughs> really? <laughs> Couldn't button my pants, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or, I didn't have that so much. I don't think I had that I, very I much either. Not the early. Uh, definitely later on, um, the pregnancy tummy, and then I would feel bloated on top of it, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, another fun pants thing. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, the, like the two in combination were more noticeable to me than the first, like the for any of the first trimester stuff. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> Stephanie, any experience with that? Oh, I definitely had bloating from, oh gosh, I would say it probably started at like seven, eight weeks. Oh. Yeah, and it lasted until I was showing. So it wasn't like a daily thing. I'm trying to understand this. It, it was wasn't not, like you it, felt bloated and then later in the day you were fine. You know how like no, when, you're, when it, you're not pregnant, you feel bloated and stuff like yeah, that no, too. Yeah, no, it went along with um, like my nausea. I mean, I just, I was nauseous the whole time and I just felt like a blob. Yeah. A nauseous, bloated a nauseous blob. blob. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else experience with bloating? No. Yeah. I think it's one of those hit or miss kind of symptoms. Okay, the next one I, I'm pretty sure we all have some experience with, frequent urination. So, Dr. Cap, when when does this typically start? Could we, you know, see this before we even realize we're pregnant? You know, typically not. I mean, most of the frequent urination that comes, well, I'll just say everyone is different, but most of the frequent urination that comes about is usually uh, a symptom that we usually see more later on in pregnancy. And that's usually due to that growing uterus, putting pressure on that bladder. The bladder can't expand as much as it can, and so you get that uh, space uh, issues, and so it puts pressure on that bladder, and then it, you feel like you've got to urinate more frequently. Uh, one other thing that we do worry about is OBGYN is also urinary tract infections. Uh, that's why we do urine culture early on in pregnancy, because sometimes you can have what's called asymptomatic bacteria, where it's basically you have bacteria in the bladder because uh, pregnancy, you may not have the same symptoms. You don't necessarily have all the burning and things like that that you have early on in pregnancy, but it does cause some frequent urination. And so we do check that in uh, the first trimester to make sure that there isn't a urinary tract infection. Yeah, you know, that actually happened to me during this pregnancy. I've actually had two, believe it or not, since. and But they were asymptomatic. I didn't even know. And they did cultures and, and stuff like that, and they found it, and then they put me on some medication for it. So it wasn't like I felt that burning sensation or anything that, that's associated with UTIs. But, um, yeah, but I, I've personally experienced it. And, and it concerns me, too, because I'm pregnant with twins, so I'm already at risk. I'm a, 
high-risk pregnancy as is, and I know that UTIs, if gone untreated, can result in preterm labor, right, Dr. Cab? Correct, correct. Yeah, so it's something that I, that I'm, I, I guess I'm more aware of because it's happened to me. Um, but ladies, let's talk about frequent urination and getting up in the middle of the night to pee and all that fun stuff. Or... I had it. I totally had it in the first trimester. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, it went along with the whole breast tenderness thing, um, started early and it, it didn't, it didn't last as long as the morning sickness stuff did, but um, it was also one of the first things that I noticed that I, I'd never get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and mm-hmm. I was getting up like twice. And so I knew something was off because it was just very unusual for me. And as soon as, as soon as the second trimester or the first trimester stopped and I was moving on, it went away and yeah. coming back now. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those Space symptoms <laughs> that rears its ugly head again in you know third trimester. Yeah. So I'm hoping mine leaves soon because <laughs> I, I get up like five or six times a night. Oh, so right. I'm not sleeping at all. No, oh, it's, I oh, miss sleep. Tough. I miss it yeah. a lot. I think I'm on an average or one one to two times in the middle of the night. You know. So it's okay, but it's I'm having a hard time sleeping anyway, so it's not really yeah. waking me up, yeah. right? It's and more of like once you wake up from yes. something else, other child discomfort, <laughs> yeah. then your brain starts thinking, okay, doing checks. Oh, my bladder's full. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I actually have not had this issue at all. Like it's starting to pick up a little bit now that I'm you know finally getting a little bit bigger, and then I guess the baby's putting more pressure on my bladder. But the first trimester, I had none of it. Okay, but I was so concerned about getting a urinary tract infection yeah. that I made myself a schedule during the workday when I had to go pee. (laughs) (laughs) But that can be bad for your bladder, though, too. (laughs) I know. It's one of those tough ones. Okay, let's move on. Fatigue. Um, So, Dr. Cap, what is causing, at this point, I mean, I know later in the pregnancy, it makes more sense as to why you're you're so tired. But, and we do know our bodies are working overtime because, let's face it, I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty amazing thing. We're creating, you know, another human being. So, our bodies are doing some amazing things behind the scenes that we're not even aware of. Um, But what, what is causing specifically the fatigue that we're experiencing early in pregnancy? Yeah, again, we think it's all hormonal. I mean, the fatigue kind of goes with the nausea and the vomiting um, and just the overall sensation that you're not feeling well. And it's probably, again, the pregnancy hormone beta-HCG that's causing that. You know, you are creating a life. If you think about it from a cellular level, everything is multiplying very rapidly. Even though it's on a small level, it's something that's not necessarily uh, for a first-time mom. Uh, it's a sensation that they've never felt before. And it might be just a way that the body kind of says, hey, you need to slow things down, take some rest. Let's, you know, make sure we're taking care of ourselves instead of running around doing uh, a million things uh, and give yourself some time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make. And we say this a lot, but really um, following through is a whole other thing. And that is really listening to your body. It's trying to take care of the baby. It's trying to take care of us. And if you push it too far, something's got to give, you know. So I think those those cues are really important. Um, ladies, fatigue early in pregnancy. Do you guys experience that? Yeah, but it could yeah. be related to me not sleeping at night to get up to go to the bathroom. Or yeah. for those of us who have other kids mm-hmm. as well, yes. taking care. I mean, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other preggy uh. pals topic, you know, <laughs> is pregnancy when you already have children, which actually I think we've done yeah, that we've topic done that. before. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it brings on a whole new set of things to consider, right? One of the bigger things for me has actually been brain fatigue. 
like not so much wow. the physical. I mean, definitely physical fatigue, but more uh, is just my brain not working. You know, that cl- class, that stereotypical pregnant brain, yeah. um, and forgetting things, and and then that makes you tired, and because you're trying to work your harder and think harder, and and yeah. Um, yeah so that was, and that even started early. It seemed like, or maybe it just yeah. never left from the first time. <laughs> Who knows? It, it's hanging out still. Yes. <laughs> I felt like I had been hit by a truck. Yeah, and backed yeah. over, and then hit again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes too, you know, for me, it, it happens all at once. Like I could have tons of energy, and it's like I hit a brick wall, mm-hmm. and I am down for the count. And and for me, it's really scary too because I can't predict when that's going to happen. The, you know, the other day I was actually coming back from a perinatologist appointment, and it happened in the car, and my kids weren't with me, my boys weren't with me, but I got super sleepy, and I was like, I you should see me. I was like, you know, turning up the air in my car car, you know, trying to figure out how do I stay awake? You know, I'm driving. I have to get myself back home. But it, it was fatigue. And the moment I hit the door, I, I crashed on the couch. And, you know, thank God someone was there watching my kids because there was no <laughs> way that I was going to, you know, tend to them in that moment. But it's kind of scary sometimes, you know. Okay. Well, that is all I have for our pregnancy symptoms, at least for the first 20 weeks. Dr. Cap, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. This conversation continues for members of our Preggy Pals Club. After the show, we'll discuss another common early pregnancy symptom, which is spotting. How can you determine what's normal and what could be a sign of complications within your pregnancy? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We have a question from one of our listeners. You guys can ask our experts questions anytime you like. Just go to our website. You can leave us a comment. This comes from Carrie. And Carrie writes, my husband and I are pregnant with our first child. We've been discussing how much time he should take off work after having the baby, but we're not quite sure what to expect. We don't have much family in town to help, but we need my husband to be working as much as possible since I'm on maternity leave. How do other people handle situations like this? Hi, this is Rosemary Mason, I'm a certified postpartum doula. Uh, Carrie, you know, it's really up to the um, company or group that he works with. I noticed that a lot of dads will take half days instead of taking full days. So that seems to work where they just come in a little later um, or they uh, leave a little later or earlier so that they can spread out their times. If they have a two weeks, like they're off for two weeks, maybe they can spread it out for two weeks or six weeks or just by taking shorter amounts or, or leaving earlier or coming in later. Well, I hope I've answered the questions for you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Parent Savers for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, it's part two of this series focused on common pregnancy symptoms. Dr. Cap will rejoin us for a discussion on what to expect during your last 20 weeks of pregnancy. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. 
While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.